Chapter 2. Object of writing the work, incapacity and boldness in the undertaking. Hot discussion, conferring significant and for prophetic title of Hemapant. Necessity, necessity of a guru. In the last chapter, the author mentioned the original Marathi book that he would state the reason that led him to undertake the work and about the persons qualified to read the same and such other points. Now in this chapter, he starts to tell the same. Object of writing the work. In the first chapter, I describe Sai Baba's miracle of checking and destroying the cholera epidemic by grinding wheat and throwing the flour on the outskirts of the village. I heard other miracles of Sai Baba, and to my great delight, and his and this delight, burst forth into a. I heard other miracles of Sai Baba, to my great delight, and this delight burst forth into a poetic work. I also thought that the description of these miracles of Sai Baba would be interesting and instructive to his devotees and would remove their sins. And so I began to write the sacred life and teachings of Sai Baba. The life of the saints is neither logical nor dialectical. It shows us the true and great path, incapacity and boldness in undertaking the work. Hemapan thought that he was not a fit person to undertake the work. He said, when I do not know the life of my intimate friend, nor do I know my own mind, then how can I write the life of a saint or describe the nature of incarnations, which even the Vedas were unable to do? One must be a saint himself before he could know other saints. Otherwise, how can I describe their glory? To write the life of a saint is most difficult, though one may as well be able to measure the depth of the water of the seven seas or enclose the sky with cloth trappings. I knew that this was the most adventurous undertaking, which might expose me to ridicule. I therefore invoked Sai Baba's grace. The premier poet, Saint of Maharashtra, Sri Dhyaneshwara Maharaj, has stated that the Lord loves those who write the lives of saints, and the saints also have their own peculiar method of assigning this service which the devotees long for. The saints inspire the work. A devotee becomes only an indirect cause or an instrument to achieve the end. For instance, in 1700 year, the poet Mahipati aspired to write the lives of saints. Saints inspired him and got the work done. So also in 1800 year, Dasganu's service was accepted. The former wrote four works, Bhakta Vijaya, Santa Vijaya, Bhakta Lila Amrut and Santa Lila Amrut. While the latter, well, while the latter wrote two, Bhakta Lila Amrut and, San, and Santa Kata Amrut, which, he, which the lives of modern saints were described. In chapters 31, 32, 33 of Bhakta Lila Amrut and in chapter 57 of Santa Kata Amrut, the life and teachings of Sai Baba are very well depicted. These have been separately published in Sai Lila magazine number 11, 12, volume 17. The readers are advised to read these chapters. So also, Sai Baba's wonderful leelas are described by Mrs. Savitribai Raghunath Tandurka of Bandra in a small book named Sri Sainath Bhajanmala. Daskanu Maharaj also has composed very sweet poems on Sai Baba. A devotee named Amidas Bhavani Mehta has also published some stories of Sai Baba in Gujarati. And some number of Sainath Prabha, a magazine published by Dakshina Bhiksha Sanstha of Sheri, are also published. Then the question of objection comes in that while so many works regarding Sai Baba are existent, why should this Satcharita be written? And where is its necessity? The answer is plain and simple. The life of Sai Baba is as wide and as deep as the infinite ocean, and all can dive deep into the same and take out precious gems of knowledge and bhakti, and distribute them to the aspiring people. The stories, parables, and teachings of Sai Baba are very wonderful. They will give peace and happiness to the people who are afflicted with sorrows and heavily loaded with miseries of this worldly existence, and also bestow knowledge and wisdom, both in worldly and spiritual domains. If these teachings of Sai Baba, which are as interesting as instructive as the Vedic law, are listened to and meditated upon, the devotees will get what they long for, namely union with Brahma, mastery of eightfold yoga, bliss of meditation, etc. So I thought that I should call these stories together, and that would be my best upasana. 
The collection would be most delightful to those simple souls whose eyes are not blessed with Sai Baba's darshan. So I set about collecting Sai Baba's teachings and expressions, the outcomes of his boundless self-realization. It was Sai Baba who inspired me in this matter. In fact, I surrendered my ego at his feet and thought that my path was clear and that he would make me quite happy here and in the next world. I could not myself I could not myself ask Sai Baba to give me permission for this work. So I requested Mr. Maharaj Deshpande, alias Sharma, Baba's most intimate devotee, to speak to him for me. He pleaded for my cause and said to Sai Baba, This Anna Saheb wishes to write your biography. Don't say that you are a poor fakir and there is no, necess- no necessity to write it. But if you agree and help him, he will write, or rather your grace will accomplish the work. Without your consent and blessing, nothing can be done successfully. When Sai Baba heard this request, he was moved and blessed me, giving me his udi, sacred ash, and placing his boon-bestowing hand on my head, said, Let him make a collection of stories and experiences. Keep notes and memos. I will help him. He is only an outward instrument. I should write my autobiography myself and satisfy the wishes of my devotees. He should get rid of his ego, surrender it at my feet. He who acts like this in life, I, uh, him I help the most. What of my life stories? I serve him in his house in all possible ways. When his ego is completely annihilated and there is no is left no trace of it, I myself shall enter into him and shall myself write my own life. Hearing my stories and teachings will create faith in devotees' hearts and they will easily get self-realization and bliss. Let there be no insistence on establishing one's own view, no attempt to refute others' uh, others' opinions, no discussion of pros and cons of any subject. Significant and prophetic title. The word discussion put me in put me in mind of my promise to explain the story of me getting the title of Hemadpunt, and now I began to relate the same. I was on close friendly terms with Kaka Saheb Dixit and Nana Saheb Chandorka. They pressed me to go to Shirdi and have Baba's Darshan, and I promised them to do so, but something in the meanwhile turned up, which prevented me from going to Shirdi. The son of a friend of mine at Lonavala fell ill. My friend tried all possible means, physical and spiritual, but the fever would not abate. At length, he got his guru to sit by the bedside of the son. But his, this too was of no avail. Hearing this, I thought, what is the utility of a guru if he could not save my friend's son? If the guru can't do anything for us, why should I go to Shirdi at all? Thinking in this way, I postponed my Shirdi trip, but the inevitable must happen, and it happened in my case as follows. Mr. Nana Saheb Chandorka, who was a divisional officer, was going on tour to Basin. From Tana, he came to Dada and was waiting for a train bound for Basin. In the meanwhile, a Bandra local turned up. He sat in it and came to Bandra and sent, and sent for me and took me to task for putting off my Shirdi trip. Nana's argument for my Shirdi trip was convincing and delightful, and so I decided to start for Shirdi the same night. I packed up my luggage and started for Shirdi. I planned to go to Dada and from there catch the train for Manmad, and so I booked myself for Dada and sat in the train. While the train was, was to start, a Mohammedan came hastily to my compartment and seeing all my paraphernalia asked me where I was bound to. I told him about my plan. He then suggested that I should go straight to Bodhivanda and not wait at Dada as the Manman mail did not stop at Dada. If this little miracle or Leela had not happened, I would not have reached Shirdi the next day as settled and many doubts would have assailed me. But that was not to be. As fortune favoured me, I reached Shirdi the next day before 9 or 10 a.m. Mr. Bahul Saheb Kaka Saheb Dixit was waiting for me there. Uh, this was 1910 when there was only one place, namely Satyazwada, for lodging pilgrim devotees. After alighting from Matonga, I was anxious to have darshan. When the great devotee Tatya Saheb Nulka returned from the masjid and said that Sai Baba was at the corner of the Wada and that I should 
first get the preliminary darshan and then after bath see him at leisure. Hearing this, I ran and prostrated before Baba and my joy knew no bounds. I found more than what Nana Chandurka had told me. All my senses were satisfied and I got, forgot my thirst and hunger. The moment I touched Sai Baba's feet, I began a new lease of life. I left myself much of, I felt myself much obliged to those who spurred and helped me to get the darshan and I considered them my real relatives and I cannot repay, the, repay their debt. I only remember them and prostrate mentally before them. This, the peculiar, the peculiar, peculiarity of Sai Baba's darshan, as I found it, is that by his darshan, our thoughts are changed. The force of previous actions is abated, and gradually non-attachment or dispassion towards worldly object grows up. It is by this merit of actions in many past births that such darshan is got. And if only you see Sai Baba, all the world becomes or assumes the form of Sai Baba. Hot discussion. On the first day of my arrival in Shirdi, there was a dis discussion between me and Bala Saheb Bhatte regarding the necessity of a guru. I contended, why should we lose our freedom and submit to others when we have to do our duty? Why is a guru necessary? One must try his best to save himself. What can the guru do to a man who does nothing but sleeps indolently? Thus I pleaded free will while Mr. Bhatte took up the other side, namely destiny, and said, Wherever, whatever is bound to happen must happen. Even the great men have failed. Man proposes one way, but God disposes the other way. Brush aside your cleverness. Pride and egoism won't help you. The discussion, with all its pros and cons, went on for an hour or so, and, as usual, no conclusion was arrived at. We had to stop the discussion ultimately, as we were exhausted. The net result of this was that I lost my peace of mind and found that, found that useless there... Unless there is strong body consciousness and egoism, there will be no discussion. In other words, it is egoism which breeds discussion. Then, when we went to the masjid with others, Baba asked Karkasaheb Dixit the following. What was going on in Satyazwada? Uh, what was the discussion about? And staring at me, Baba further added, what did this Hamadpan say? Hearing these words, I was much surprised. The masjid at, was at a considerable distance from Satyazwada, where I was staying and where the discussion was going on. How could Baba know all our discussion unless he be omniscient and the inner ruler of us all? I began to think why Sai Baba should call me by the name Hamadpan. This word is a distorted form of Hamadripan. This Hamadripan was a well-known minister of the kings Madhav, Mahadev and Ram, Ramdev of Davgiri and Yadav dynasty. He was very learned, good-natured and the author of such work as Chaturvaga, Chintamani, dealing with spiritual subjects and Rajprashashti. The, he invented and started new methods and of accounts and was the originator of the Modi Marathi shorthand script. But I was quite the opposite, an ignoramus and of mediocre intellect. So I could not understand why the name or title was conferred upon me. But thinking seriously upon it, I thought that the title was a dart to destroy my ego, so that I should always remain meek and humble. I was also a, a comp, it was also a compliment paid to me for the cleverness in the discussion. Looking into the history, we think that Baba's word, calling Mr. Dalolka by the name Hamadpant, was significant and prophetic, as we find that he looked after the management of Sai Sunstam very intelligently, kept all the accounts nicely, and was also the author of such a good work, Sai Satcharita, which deals with such important and spiritual subjects as Dhyan, Bhakti, Dispassion, Self-Surrender, and Self-Realization. About the necessity of a guru. Hamapan has left no note, no memo, about what Baba said regarding this subject, but Kakasaheb Dixit has published his notes regarding this matter. Next day after Hamapan's meeting with Sai Baba, Kakasaheb went to Baba and asked, Baba, where to go? Baba said, high up. 
Then the man said, where is the way? Baba said, there are many ways leading there. There is one way from here, Shirdi, also. The way is difficult. There are tigers and wolves in the jungles on the way. I, Kakasaheb asked, but Baba, what if we take a guide with us? Baba answered, then there is no difficulty. The guide will take you straight to your destination, avoiding wolves, tigers and ditches, etc. on the way. If there be no guide, there is the danger of your being lost in the jungles and falling into ditches. Mr. Dalboko was present on this occasion and he thought that this was the answer Baba gave to the question whether a guru was necessary, was, was necessary. And he thereupon took a hint that no discussion whether the man is free or bound is of any use in spiritual matters. But on the contrary, the real Paramatma is possible only as, only as the results of the teachings of the Guru. As is illustrated in the chapter of the original work, in the instances of great avatars like Ram and Krishna, who had to submit themselves to their gurus, Vashishta and Sandipani, respectively, for getting self-realization, and that the only virtues necessary for such progress are faith and patience. Bhattasri Sai, peace be to all. Sri Satchitananda, Sadguru, Sainath, Maharaj, Ki Jai.